Good morning. Hey, thanks again for being here with me today and taking this time to be able to both hear and respond to God's word for the day. So we've been continuing on, of course, uh, in the story. Today, uh, we reach chapter 18, has a very familiar individual, a name, I think, at least that most of you will recognize. It's the person of Daniel. And most of you are probably uh, familiar with the story of Daniel and the lion's yeah, that's your part. Let's try it again. Daniel and the lions. Yeah, you guys all know that story. So today, since you already know it, I'm not going to talk about it at all. Okay, sound good? No, I'm seriously, I'm not. We did it during Bible study. So if you miss Bible study today, shame on you. No, you've known that story since you were super small and you had it on the flannel graph. Our kids know it. We talk about it here at our preschool and our kindergarten. But today I want to back up a little bit. You see, when Daniel and the lion's den happens, we're already a good portion of our way through the book of Daniel. And so today I want to back up to like the very beginning of the book, and it's where story chapter 18 actually starts at. So let's move back at chapter 1, and it begins with an individual whose name is King Nebuchadnezzar. We're introduced to this king in our story, and he comes up with an idea. He wants his kingdom to be stronger, just like any good kingdom. He wants it to be more powerful. And he decides that he's going to go to Jerusalem and take a certain group of people back home with him to Babylon. He is the king of Babylon in that realm. And as he goes to do that, uh, just maybe so you can kind of get a little bearings, the distance is probably about 500 miles. So he wants to go and capture these certain individuals, take them back. And the area of Babylon today would basically be like modern day Iraq. So now you kind of got an idea of where the story is taking place today. So this is the group of people that he is looking for. He tells his guys to go out and he says, get the young men without any physical defect that are handsome, that are showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified in serving the king's palace. Ladies, you know what this means, right? If Nebuchadnezzar came and showed up here today, all of our men would be gone. Gone, all of them. He wants a very certain, my joke too is about you. I should have used that one. I need another service. Stick around for service three. Uh, Think about this. He wants this very certain group of people to be able to go back with him. So he wants to capture these young men. So Daniel at this time is probably about 16 years old. So imagine that. He's just just a teenage boy. And he is among this group that is captured. And there's also some other guys that are captured in this group too. Names that you've probably heard before. It says among those who were chosen were some from Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael. And Azariah, the chief official, gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. You've probably heard that name before. To Michelle, Meshach. And to Azariah, to Abednego. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know these three guys, right? You've heard this story before too. So Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're among these young, handsome, smart men that are taken away to Babylon, modern day Iraq, to be in the service of the king. And so they get there, they're going to be able to serve him. They don't know exactly what's going to happen. But during this time, uh, he gives them these new names. And that might sound funny, 
Why does that happen? You see, the king wants them to forget everything about who they actually are. He wants to completely change their identity from one thing to the next, even their, their own name. You see, the name Daniel actually means God is my judge. And so Daniel really lives his life following that exact namesake, that he knows God is his judge. And so everything he does, everything that he thinks, all his goals in life are really surrounded upon honoring God. This is a good one for us to kind of maybe think about today. What are the things that the world comes to us with and tries to change about you? Maybe it's not your, your name, but what things about your God-given identity does the world try to alter? Does the world try to change? And maybe they're just small things, but they're things. Pieces of our identity that maybe sometimes we lose living in the world, and we should be careful of that. It continues on for Dan, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they're brought back in this identity process keeps on changing. In fact, one of the things the king wants to give to all these young men is the best food from his table. It says that they get to eat anything that they want. They get to have the, the best food, the king's food. But it says Daniel has already decided not to defile himself with the king's food, and he refuses to eat it, which by the way is like the first time in history and the last time in history that a teenage boy has ever refused food, right? Just, no, I'm not going to take the best of the, the best. No. In fact, Daniel actually doesn't want to defile himself. We're not told why. Maybe it was a God-given command that he had received, something uh, in their culture. We see God do that throughout the Old Testament. Maybe he just knows this stuff is not good for me. You know that, right? When we look out, especially all that good stuff we serve, all those vegetables that we have out for you to eat in the morning, right? Yeah, come to our church and get vegetables in the morning. Think about that, right? The, the food that we know, the things that we should consume. And so Daniel says, this isn't good for me. And since it's not good for me, we're not going to eat it. Now, the guy that's in charge of being able to take care of them is a little nervous. And so Daniel says, let's just do it for 10 days. Let's take a, a little bit of a test here. He says, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing to eat but vegetables and water to drink. Then compare our appearance to that of the young men who eat the royal food. He says, let's just, let's just try it. Somebody in the first service asked me, were Daniel's friends okay with him saying this? Like, wait a minute, vegetables and water is all we get? I don't know. But he says, let's just test it out. Let's just try it out. And they try it out. And sure enough, Daniel and the other men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they look better, they, they speak better, they're stronger when they compare them to the other individuals. Maybe it's not your diet that you need to get after today. Maybe for some of us it is. We probably do need to watch what we consume sometimes in our diet. What about your spiritual diet, though? Think about the things that you consume throughout the week. There's a lot of things in the royal banquet of the world around us that are offered to you every day. Maybe things that you don't always necessarily take in through your mouth, but maybe things that you take in through your eyes, things that you take in through your ears, things that you take into your house. What are those things that you consume that maybe you shouldn't? Because it changes your appearance. And not just the way that you look, but the way that you speak, 
the way that you act, the way that you pray, the way that you have a relationship with Jesus. We need to be aware of these things. Daniel's aware of it. He knows that he shouldn't be in front of this food. He shouldn't consume it, and so he doesn't. He removes himself from the situation. We need to be better at that, at removing ourselves from the situation. If you struggle with alcohol, and I'm serious about this, if you struggle with, with alcohol, maybe hanging out at the bar or going through the liquor section at the store is probably not the right place for you, right? If you struggle with uh, overspending or shopping too much, maybe, maybe don't get that other credit card that's being offered to you. If you make bad decisions when you're in a certain group of people, maybe you shouldn't be hanging out with those people. What are the things that we can remove from our life before they even get to us? The things that we consume and the things that change us. Because when you do not consume those things and you consume the elements of God that he has given to us, you will live differently. You will talk differently. You will act differently. Things go pretty well for Daniel and his friends. They keep rising up in the kingdom little by little. Uh, things are actually going well, and they're doing good honoring God. And then one night, King Nebuchadnezzar, the same guy who took them away, has this dream. I'm not going to go into depth just because of time today on the dream, but this dream kind of bothers him, and it sits with him, and he doesn't know what it means. And so he asks something that is so far-fetched. He calls together all the wise men, all the sorcerers, all the enchanters, all the astrologers, everybody who has any type of, of good mindset to be able to help him with this. And he asks them not only to interpret the dream, but he says, I also want you to tell me what my dream was. Think about that. How could you decide? I know what my dreams are like. They're crazy. They're all over the place. I love to wake my wife up. Oh, man, let me tell you about this crazy dream that I had, right? Spider came down and gave me ice cream with jalapenos on it. Like, how could you guess what somebody else's dream is? You have no idea. But he still goes to the men and he makes this request. He says, if you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you do tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and the greatest honor. Pretty bad punishment. He goes on as the astrologers approach him and they say, uh, King, there is no one on earth who can do this. No one can reveal what the king has said except for the gods, and they do not live among humans. I think they have some uh, right statements in their response, and maybe a little bit of wrong statement there too. First of all, in saying there's no one on earth that can do this, that's right. I mean, we would say that today. There's no one on earth that is going to be able to reveal this uh, to you, king. There's no way that we are able to do this. Only the gods can do this, and they don't live among us. But see, that's where I think they're, they're wrong. God does live among them. They just maybe don't always see him or recognize him. Remember, since the very beginning, when we started with Adam and Eve in chapter 1, we're on chapter 18 today, through the people of Israel, through all the different stories of the judges or people being able to be prophets, God is always with his people. 
And that story has never changed from the beginning of time to you and I being here in this church today. God is here with us. He lives amongst us as humans and not just Christ in the form that he comes down and blesses us with, but God, the heavenly father that promises to always be here with us. But the king doesn't like their response. And so he calls together all of these guys, the enchanters, the wise men, the astrologers, every single person. And he says, all of you, since you cannot tell me what my dream was, are now going to be put to death. Kill them all. Anybody know how to play euchre? Anybody? I know a couple of you do because I played with you. That's right. Yeah. So this is a card game. I'll probably play later this afternoon with my mother and father-in-law that taught me how to play. I've never played before. Simple game. Super fun. We should do a tournament here at church so I can kill all of you at it. Uh, You typically have four people that play. You sit across from a partner that is on your team. And then there's a team you are up against. You get five cards that are just dealt out randomly. And then those are the five cards that you get to play. You can't trade two of your cards in. You can't switch your hand with an opponent to your left or to your right. Whatever you get is what you get. If you think it's good or if you think it's bad, and you play that hand. And I thought about that this week because I think that's a lot like uh, the lives that each of us have. Every one of you has been dealt a hand, and it's a hand that you can't turn in, you can't trade with somebody else, you can't just exchange it. It's a hand that you have been given, whether you think it's good or whether you think it's bad, but you decide and are blessed with the opportunity of how to choose how to play this hand. And so how will you do that? Because the hand you get is the one that you get. And the question I want to ask today, both for the story of Daniel and for us, is how will we respond in situations of negativity or destruction or famine, however you want to phrase it, in our life? How do you respond when bad things come your way? Do you take it with grace, with mercy? Are you rational about how you think about things? Do you complain about it and just tell everybody what bad circumstance you're in? Or do you do something more positive and more importantly, more godly with your response? Because think about the story of Daniel. He's done everything right in his life. He's honored God in everything that he's done. The poor guy was captured from his hometown and taken away and his life changed But in this moment, he is told with all the others that he's going to be put to death. But luckily, Daniel is able to pray to God. He keeps his wits about him. He doesn't complain to his friends, but he actually asks his friends, pray for me that God will somehow open a door, that he will reveal something to me. God reveals to him both what the dream means and what the dream is. He tells the guy that's going to kill him, you know what? I think I can help the king out. And so the individuals take him before the king and say, here you go. Here he is. I have found a a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? And Daniel replied, no. No. Daniel, do you not remember 
what the punishment was, the cut up in pieces part? You're going to be in smaller pieces, house more rubble? Does he not understand? You see, in the time of Daniel, you get fired from your job. You get thrown into the fire on your job, right? You don't get cut from your job. You get cut up into pieces at your job. But this is where he is. But follow his full response that Daniel replies to him. He says, no wise man or enchanter, magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. No one can do this, he says, but there's a God in heaven who can. If you left here today because you got to go somewhere, I I would hope you just remember this one thing. You can't do it, but God can. Whatever you're facing today, whatever that stressful moment is, whatever that addiction is you're up against, it doesn't matter. Whatever you're looking at today or tomorrow or this week, maybe you can't do it, but there's a God who can, a God who reveals this. Daniel is so calm and collective to stay strong in his faith and remember that he has a calling. And it's the same calling that you and I have to be able to serve God in everything that we do, to always serve him. When our hand of life looks good, when our hand of life looks bad, to be able to honor God at all times and to give him the credit. Because that's what Daniel does, right? No. Can I reveal this dream? No. He could have showed up there and said, you know what, king? I can reveal this dream to you. I can do all of these things. It's going to be so awesome. And then reveal it. But he doesn't. He says, no, I can't do it. God can. And people in our lives need to hear that. They need to know that we are vulnerable too. And that we can't do all things. Even as Christians, our lives don't become perfect. But there's a God who can take care of all of these things with us. And so Daniel tells the king about the dream, and he reveals it to him. And when you know it, Daniel gets this promotion. You know, he's lifted up again. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're they're all doing great. And it seems like everything is, is going smooth again. And then you flip the page to the next chapter, to the next verse. The king, although he's happy with them, he's still worshiping all these different idols that are around him. He's still worshiping all these different gods. And he gets this idea to be able to build a statue, he says, that's 90 cubits tall. A cubit's about a foot and a half. So it's 90 feet tall by nine feet wide, made completely out of gold. Uh, I thought the city of Scottsdale was getting upset with us about like a 30-foot building out front. 90 feet. Have this guy out front on Scottsdale Road. Think about that. This massive, massive God to be able to worship is what he wants. In fact, that's the law that they come out with. They say all different times of day, all these different musical instruments are going to play. The flute, the harp, the lyre, the trumpet, the trombone, whatever. All these different instruments are play. Musical instruments of all different kinds. Whenever you hear them, You have to stop whatever you're doing. You have to get down on your knees and you have to worship this God. You know what? Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decide they're not going to do that. They're only going to follow God. And somebody at the first service asked me a super good question. They asked, uh, why isn't Daniel in the story at this point in history? Uh, I can't tell you 100% 
certain. Sorry, JJ, can you go close the sanctuary doors? There's a javelina going in there. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a baptism after the service for two of our preschool kids. I never baptized with a javelina watching before, but Q, what do you think? All right, time out. Back to the story. Sorry. I'm the one that has to watch it. You guys. Are, all right, eyes this way. People in the first service asked a super good question. Where is Daniel right now? Why isn't Daniel, is he, is he worshiping the God? Why isn't he getting in trouble? I should have mentioned this. So it doesn't exactly say in scripture, there's no like definitive uh, that Daniel decides he's not going to do it or he's too high up in the kingdom and he's not going to get in trouble, anything like that. However, in the Bible, it does very specifically say that the king basically sends Daniel out at different times to be able to go on different trips for him, basically to accomplish different tasks. Remember, Daniel's super high up in the kingdom to be able to basically speak for the king. So it's very likely that at this point, Daniel is gone, that he is not exactly with these men while this happens, just as a little fun fact and a piece of clarity there. Back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They do not bow down. They do not honor this God. And so, of course, the other people turn, turn them in. They say, you know what? These guys, they're not bowing down. Like you said, king, they're not following your law. They're not following your, your orders. What do we want to do with them? And he says, well, bring them before me. They go before the king and he says, is this true? Are you not bowing down every time you hear all these different musical instruments? You need to do this. Or... I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace, he says. You're going to, to die. So they come before the king and they say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of your gold that you have set up. Wow. Think about that. Couldn't they just have faked it? Couldn't they have just pretend? They could have, but they don't. They follow God. And they're, they're super faithful. And I love their response because even when they're faced with certain death, they say our, our God is able. Our God can, can save us. He can do anything. All of us know that too, I hope today, that God is all powerful, that he can do anything for you. All those things that we mentioned just a minute ago, he can save you from any of those things. But look at their response as it continues. It says, even if he does not, we will still not honor these false gods. Because sometimes we want God to be able to show up and we know that he can, we know that he is able, but even if he does not, do you still believe? Even if he does not cure that cancer that you're facing, do you still have faith in God? Even if he does not heal that big relationship breakup that you're going through, do you still believe that he is God? Even if God doesn't take away every temptation or addiction from your life, do you still believe and are faithful knowing that he is able? These three men are. And the king is super upset. So he says, heat up the furnace to seven times hotter than it normally is. I want it as hot as it can possibly go. He ties up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
He says that they take the strongest men to be able to bind them, his best soldiers to be able to throw them in, and they take them over to the fire, and the fire is so hot coming out of this furnace. When they throw in, the men, these strong men that are there throwing them in are actually consumed by the heat. It's so hot, it just turns them into nothing. Instantly, they die. They succumb from the hot. And wouldn't you know it, the three men thrown into the fire. The king stands there and he waits, just seeing the men. But, but he notices something different. He says, didn't I throw three men into the fire? Didn't I ask you to throw in three men? Yeah, king, three, three individuals, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, who is the fourth? I see four men that are in there. And one of them looks like a son of the gods. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Is that you in there? Yes. Come out. What do you know? These three men step out. They come out of that, that fiery furnace. And the description in scripture is amazing. It says that their clothing, their robes, have no burns on them whatsoever. It says that their, their hairs are not singed in any way. It says that their clothing doesn't even smell like smoke. I love that. That's my favorite part. I was barbecuing last week some steaks on the grill, and I lifted it up, and I wasn't even close to the fire. I'm still growing hair back on my arm. You've been around uh, a campfire at the, at the beach or in your backyard when you had that sweatshirt on. And you know what it smells like when you step away or the next, the next morning? No hairs singed, no clothes torched. They don't even smell like fire because God has protected them completely. Imagine what that was like. So the king sees this and he responds. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servant. They trusted in him and defiled the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. That was a big statement for that king. That king uh, was all about himself, was all about his power. And he says, these guys, they defiled my order and I respect them for it. They didn't do so in a manner that was to be in his face, that was to abuse his authority. They only did it in a, a godly way. And the entire time they did it because they trust in God. Maybe a better word even there should be because of their faith that they had in God. They had faith the entire time that no matter what they were going to face, that they were going to be able to do it with their Lord and that he has the ability to be able to save them. It's a testament to the king. He's, he's overcome by their example that they have set for them. They have not only served God, they've also shared God with this king and the other men, I'm sure, that are there around that fire that day. In fact, the king says, therefore, I decree, puts a new law into place, that the people of any nation or any language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego should be cut up to pieces and have their houses turned into the pile of rubber. He's got no other moves. It's his only move. He loves cutting people up and crushing their houses. His last part of his statement is what's most important, though. For no other God can save in this way. 
And this king knows this. This king worshiped the God of the, of the sun. This king worshiped the, the God of fertility. This king worshiped the, the God of the seas. And no other God could save in this way. This king worshiped gods that were made out of wood. He worshiped gods that were made out of stone. He worshiped gods that were huge and made out of gold. And no other God could save in this way. And you know it too. You've worshiped that God of beauty and it couldn't save in this way. You've worshiped that God of, of power and it couldn't save in this way. You've worshiped that God of finance and it couldn't save in this way. A God that came in the form of a dollar or a house or a car, you name it, all these different things, and it couldn't save in this way. But there is a God who can. This is the message that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego share with the people around them. It's the message that Daniel shares with the people around him. And it's the message that you and I get to be privileged with to share with the people who are around us because they need to know about this God too. God could save you from anything today. Anything. So many of you have so many things that you're faced with today and tomorrow and this week. Things that are big things, things that are hurtful things. And you need to know that your God is able to save in any and all of these situations. It should be something that we not only know in our minds and in our hearts, but that we confess to people around us because the whole world needs to know. That's why we are still here today. God can come back at any time he wants to. We all have our free pass to heaven already, but there are other people in the world who don't. And so today... Remember this message. Remember what God has given to us and allowed us to be a part of so that we can take out a God in the world who saves like no other God and share it with all those we come in contact with. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the message that you give to us of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and so many others in the world. And Lord, for allowing us to be a part of that story. And today, Lord, just a special prayer for any of us who are struggling with different items in our life, be that physical or spiritual or emotional. You know all of these things, and they're always there. Lord, we know you are a God who is able to save us from these things. We ask them to be addressed according to your will in your way, that we, and most importantly, other people around us will have a faith that is strengthened because of what you do through us in this world. All these things become and lay at Jesus' holy and precious feet this morning. Amen.